Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast. I'm your host today, and always, not just today, but always, James Timberlake. Uh, some quick things I want to get out of the way first. Remember, you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, it doesn't have to be where you're listening to it now. It can be literally anywhere. Wherever you want to listen to this, if you want to listen to the Spotify, Apple Podcasts, sharetomedia.com, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. I know Apple Podcasts was having a little bit of issues before, but it's not anymore. It's working again. We figured it out. It is working. No issues there. I checked it, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago, and all the all the episodes were on there and everything like that. So make sure you check it out on Apple Podcasts if you can as well. Uh, and all those other platforms, if you're listening in anywhere, you can listen to it. All those other platforms if you need to as well. And please remember to leave a rating as well if you would not mind. It helps out the podcast. Uh, it helps us out a bunch getting into the trending sections of a lot of these podcasting platforms. Maybe get some new ears on the shows. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, I greatly appreciate that. It is Tuesday, May 23rd. As of recording this, you guys know how we start these now. It's a new week. We got a new day. What is today? It is National Taffy Day. Congrats to Taffy everywhere. I don't know why I said congrats. Happy National Taffy Day. I hate taffy, to be honest with you. Taffy is kind of gross. I hate the way it feels. It gets really easily stuck in my teeth. And then it just like sits there and it just gives me I just makes me have a bad day for the rest of the day. So anybody else that celebrates, feel free. National Taffy Day. Uh, happy to happy National Taffy Day to all the people who want to celebrate. It's National Lucky Penny Day. Everybody's got a lucky something. Uh, coins, dollar bills, uh, a lucky sock, lucky underwear. That's probably down the line somewhere on National Lucky Underwear Day or something like that. It's got to be in here somewhere. I don't know when it is, but it's coming up. But today is National Lucky Penny Day. It's National Reed and Ethan Day. Uh, if you know a Reed or an Ethan, tell them, hey, sup? Happy National Reed or Ethan Day. Appreciate you. Thank you to all those people. Uh, here's a good one. It's, well, not a good one, actually. It's a bad one. Uh, some would say it's pretty crappy. It's a National World Crohn's and Colitis Day. Pretty crappy day. <laughs> it, Crohn's is a disease that gives you gastrointestinal problems. That's the that's the joke there for all those that don't understand that. Uh, but hey, celebrate responsibly. Don't give yourself a crappy situation if it's World Crohn's Day and you're trying to celebrate. You know, maybe don't do that. But you know, just think we're th- just know we're thinking about you. All right, we're thinking about you out there. Uh, most importantly, though. May 23rd is National World Turtle Day. Shout out the turtles, man. Turtles are cool. They give birth on beaches and then just leave. Just wait the eggs to be hatched and then just get out of there. And then the and then the turtles run out of the or, or I guess kind of flap out into the ocean and then start swimming. But the mothers, they just give birth and get out of there. You know, they're they're gonzo once they give birth. It's pretty cool. Uh so turtles, cool. Don't uh don't leave plastic stuff in the ocean. Okay. I can't watch more videos of these people pulling things out of the snouts or the noses of turtles. Okay, I can't keep doing it. It is very sad. When they pull it out, it is very satisfying. But the idea that turtle having to swim around or, you know, flap around on the beach with something stuck in its nose is is heartbreaking. Okay, I can't watch those videos anymore. So please stop leaving your trash in the ocean or wherever there are turtles are, if in the pond or in the lakes or whatever, where there are box turtles all over Sheridan, Sheridan, Wyoming. So don't, don't let them get stuff in their mouth, in their mouth or in their snout, you know, pick up your trash, throw it away. All right. That's what, that's what we should aspire to do on world turtle day. Don't let turtles get stuff stuck in their nose and mouth. Okay. Happy Tuesday. Happy May 23rd. It's going to be a, probably a new day by the time you listen to this, but if not, you know, happy May 23rd, happy Reed Ethan day, national world Crohn's and colitis day, turtle day, all those days. Happy, happy to all those. I hope you celebrate responsibly. Let's talk some sports. Okay. 
I want to intro the show, I guess second intro, we'll call this second intro, uh, we'll intro the sports part of the show uh, today with something incredible that happened over the past five days, I think is what it is technically, maybe six going into uh, Tuesday, so six days, uh, something incredible happened that is getting a little bit of attention, but when we look back on it, I actually, I don't know how much attention we will pay to it. The the time it happened the, the first time is still of urban legend, um, and that's how I'll start. In 2001, in a spring training game, Randy Johnson, Diamondback starting pitcher, legend, Hall of Famer, Randy Johnson, threw a fastball that struck a bird as it was flying in between the pitcher's mound and home plate. Go watch the video. Uh, it's one of the most incredible sports videos you'll ever see. It is... I just, it's impossible to describe. He throws a fastball and because it's Randy Johnson, he throws absolute gas. Uh, It hits the bird and it basically explodes. And it's not like the bird is just sitting there like on the ground or anything. It's actually flying like in between home plate and the pitcher's mound. So he has to hit it and he's not doing it on purpose. Obviously he's trying to throw a strike to the batter. It's not like he's trying to hit the bird. The bird and the, and the ball collide at the exact perfect moment. And the, the bird just explodes. Essentially it just evaporates off of planet earth it is incredible uh the odds of it happening ever happening that one time according to michael wonder wonder excuse me if i'm saying that wrong an associate professor at the university of colorado in denver are about 50 million to one but that kind of changes depending on who you ask and how they kind of uh, figured out i think michael wonder figured it out by or calculated it by how many like baseball games there have been how many people are in the stands and that sort of thing and how many birds are uh, at particular games or whatever. I, I didn't read the whole thing. All right. I just saw the odds and I was like, all right, Michael wonder I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, I'll give you the props for doing the calculations, but it's crazy. 50 million to one. There are plenty of things you could, you have a better chance of getting struck by lightning hit by, or, uh, eaten by sharks or whatever you want. You can go down the list and, uh, you're, you're more likely to, uh, to, to hit a bird or excuse me, to do, um, uh, get struck by lightning, get, you know, uh, bitten by sharks and stuff like that. than hit a bird like Randy Johnson did throwing, just throwing a pitch home a fastball and making a bird explode into a a bajillion pieces uh in a in a spring training game back in 2001 but then 50 million to one was eclipsed last wednesday zach gallon here's the other funny part zach gallon starting pitcher for the diamondbacks the same team that randy johnson was on when he destroyed that bird the first time he was warming up this was last wednesday wednesday in the outfield to pitch against the oakland athletics uh, and he threw a curveball, but that'll be, I mean, uh, he threw a curve. He said he threw a curveball. He's trying to throw a curveball, you know, just warming up, but you know, it wasn't on screen. I mean, it's been captured, but it wasn't like, you know, behind the pitcher's mound, like you would normally see in like a normal broadcast. It was like a cell phone, uh, cell phone footage. Uh, and he threw a curveball that also struck a bird and also killed the bird. It happened again, 22 years apart. It happened again by a diamondbacks pitcher as well. Another Diamondback. So the same team, it happened to them twice from the same position on the same team. 22 years apart, 50 million to one. The, the, the odds of it happening to the same team uh, have got to go up astronomically, without a doubt. But then, on Monday, yesterday for me, yesterday for me, uh, two days ago for you, depending on when you're listening, three days if you're listening on Thursday, which is crazy. Uh, on Monday, Will Brennan, a rookie outfielder for the Cleveland Guardians. He is a lefty, and he hit a line drive opposite field in between uh, second and third base, and 
uh, one of the, there was a, a a slew of birds just hanging out on the infield grass. You'll see that sometimes in baseball games, they're just birds hanging out on the grass. And he hit a line drive in between second and third base, and there were there were birds just chilling out. And he hit a bird and killed it with a line drive that he hit off of a baseball bat and killed the bird in between second and third base. So it took 22 years between two Diamondbacks pitchers hitting birds while throwing a pitch, quote unquote, a pitch. Uh, Zach Allen was just warming up, but you know that, that, that we're getting into semantics at that point. Uh, Diamondbacks pitchers throwing a pitch and killing a bird. But then we went five days in between a Diamondbacks pitcher throwing a baseball and killing a bird while he, because he hit it to Will Brennan, the rookie outfielder for the Cleveland Guardians, hitting a baseball, which is a lot harder. I mean, it's not like he's aiming for it. That's The odds on that have to be even higher. Uh, hit a bird after hitting a line drive and killing the bird who was standing in between second and third base. It's one of the most incredible odds, uh, random events that I can remember happening in sports just because it took 22 years to go in between Randy Johnson and Zach Allen, but then it took five days for Will Brennan to do it, who was just playing baseball. They're just playing baseball. Zach Allen was just warming up to go and pitch against the Oakland Athletics, and he threw a curveball and killed a bird. And then Will Brennan was just trying to get a base hit, and he got a base hit by killing a bird and it bouncing into the outfield for a single. If you watch the video of Will Brennan, by the way, it's really funny because he realizes he killed the bird. He gets to first base, and he puts like his hands up above his head, and he's not not distraught. That's probably too strong of a word, but he's like, I did I really just do that? I'm really upset that I just did that. Uh, and, you know, the fact that it happened five days apart blows my mind. Baseball's weird, man. Like, what's going on? Okay. Randy Johnson does it one time. You think the birds would learn, by the way. They should be communicating to one another. Like, hey, maybe let's avoid these places. Maybe, I mean, they're not smart. That's smart. But, I mean, there's got to be a little evolution going on there. Okay. We got to, they, they got to start evolving somewhere. Okay. Let's avoid the diamond-shaped grass fields because they are dangerous. I just saw my friend explode into a billion pieces while flying in between two people. Uh, that's probably dangerous. And you think, you know, that could get passed down by generations, especially since it happened to another Arizona Diamondback pitcher. Uh, you know, maybe they'd learn. Maybe the birds would learn. But you know what? Here we are. Now we got three dead birds, probably more in the history of baseball, but these are the most well-documented. The Randy Johnson one still, I think, gets brought up like every single year during spring training. Like that's something that always gets brought up, the fact that it happened. And that one is probably more... It's all. I think that one's going to become and still maintain its urban legend slash myth, uh, mythos, if you will, uh, because we saw it all happen behind the pitcher cam, like it was on nationally broadcasted television or whatever, or broadcasted television, regardless. Uh, and it was easy to see, like there was no cut. It was Randy Johnson getting ready, set, throw the ball, and then boom, a bird just explodes into a billion pieces. The Zach Gallon one, I would imagine, probably just kind of fades away into obscurity because it was, you know, it, there was not really any good footage of it. It was just a cell phone footage uh, of what Zach Gallon was doing. Somebody was filming him in the outfield and they watched him hit a bird. So not as uh, nearly interesting as watching it live on a live broadcast. And the Will Brennan one is very cool, but it's also hard to see it actually happen on screen because it goes from behind the pitcher, he hits the ball, and then it's a cut. And then you realize, oh, wow, he hit a bird when he did that. There's no actual, I, at least from what I've seen, there hasn't there hasn't been any like actual footage of him hitting the actual bird, uh, which is why I think the Randy Johnson one will live on to the will live on forever because uh, that video is crazy. Like if, if you go and watch that video, the fact that he just he's just doing a normal thing. And then once the ball is coming down, it looks it looks fake, to be honest with you. It's not fake. It's not fake at all. 
but it looks fake because of how just abrupt it happens. And then the explosion of feathers that go all over the screen and even the, even the catcher, the batter, Randy Johnson on the mound, they're like, what just happened? What did I just do? Because they had no idea that a bird flew in between home plate and the pitcher's mound uh, and just basically got a, just got annihilated by a 99-mile-an-hour Randy Johnson fastball. So that one will probably live on, uh, but it's insane to me. It absolutely blows my mind that we had two happen within one week and one from a batted ball and the other from a pitched ball, if you will, uh, a curveball, and the other one was hit. Uh, uh, with a line drive, which is mind blowing that the odds on that, I didn't see the odds on that, obviously, but it's gotta be uh, unreal. Um, so that was an incredible situation that happened. You say, I mean, baseball, I don't even, I don't even care what's going on in actual baseball. I mean, I, I mean, I care a little bit, but it's like, we you know, we're still super early on. It takes a little bit to get into it. We got more important things going on in the world of sports and in baseball, they're out here just killing birds left and right. And of course, that's the thing I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to be like, what, how did this happen? Why did this just happen? But then, you know, after I see it, I turn back on to the to the, you know, NBA conference finals and then we get back into that. So, you know, whatever. Let's speaking of, that's a perfect transition. Let's talk some conference basketball finals. We are very dangerously close to having uh the two conference finals and as of this evening I could be uh speaking in past tense because I know the the Heat and the uh the Celtics play tonight and that one feels like more of a wrap than the Lakers and Nuggets game or the Lakers and Nuggets series was when that one ended uh, on Monday. Um, And we are very dangerously close to having two conference final sweeps. Something that has literally never happened in the history of the NBA before two conference final sweeps. And I think people are going to have a very rude awakening uh, if the heat do pull it off tonight, which all indications are showing that they will. That Boston team looks defeated after game three in Miami where they just got pummeled. I mean, dominated in that game. They looked lost. They looked defeated. Uh, so I, I'm willing to say that that one's probably over. But, you know, crazier things have happened. Well, actually, coming back from 3 0s never happened. So not crazier things have happened. So, you know, maybe they make the craziest thing of all time happen, the Celtics. We'll see. Um, but I am uh, I'm very curious to see what the NBA does. Uh, in this situation, because if the 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 Heat Celtics series does end up in a sweep, uh, that would mean both teams have advanced into the finals already. So the Nuggets are sitting there in the finals already after sweeping the Lakers, and then the Heat would have swept the uh, the Celtics, and that would be done by uh, the 23rd of May. And officially, the NBA Finals don't technically start as the scheduling goes. Don't technically start till June 1st. So if the Heat sweep. The Celtics tonight, we would have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight days in between uh, the conference finals ending for both teams and the NBA finals starting. Uh, the NBA finals doesn't start till June 1st, which is next next Thursday. So I'm curious to see if the NBA moves it up, moves up the NBA finals. I would imagine not because they probably have all the, uh, I don't know if it's something in the licensing agreement or something like that. Or the you know the broadcasting rights for I think it's ESPN ABC is usually the person I believe it's ABC again uh, doing the finals if they have some sort of agreement that it has to be in June or whatever it has to start in June and end in June um, per the NBA so I'd be curious I mean if it is eight days in between games they don't change anything then we are going to have a very interesting a very interesting eight days. Of it'll be like the college football playoff where we have 
closer to like 30 days in between like playoff games, like the end of conference um, conference schedules, conference championship games uh, at the, the the end of conference championship games. And then the college football actual playoff doesn't start till like, I think it's new year's Eve and new year's day or when the two games, uh, the two, the two conference five, the two college football playoff semifinals game games are. Uh, and it'll be similar to that where we have just nonstop talk about the finals and it'll be over eight days. So, and it, it'll be jam packed because the NBA pulls in, more uh, from the national media in that sense, uh, more focused, I think, from the national media in that sense uh, for the NBA and the NBA finals than they do for the college football playoff. Because again, it'll be over eight days, not 30 days. You can spread it out a lot more if it's over 30 days. But, oh my God, the first take segments we're going to have, I'm, I'm going to put guesses down for the first take segments we're going to have. If there is a sweep uh, in this series between the Heat and the Celtics, the Heat pull it off tonight and we have eight days in between the, the end of the conference finals and the start of the finals, the first take segments that I'm guessing are going to happen. And I'm going to put Skip and Shannon in there as well, because they're base, they're the same show. Like, let's be honest. They're the same show, just on two, two different platforms. Uh, I was going to say drastically different platforms, but they're not that different. they mirror images of each other. Um, and they're, they're the same show, so they're going to have similar... I mean, that's a word. This is where sports media is. Uh, so here's my guesses for First Take slash Skip and Shannon, the topics they're going to have. One, has Nikola Jokic's um, um, legacy been solidified? Or something regarding Nikola Jokic's legacy uh, if he wins a championship? That'll be in... I guarantee that'll be in there. Uh, second one, if Jimmy Butler is in the, in the conference or is in the NBA Finals... Here's a question. Is this the greatest playoff run by a NBA player in Jimmy Butler? Is this the greatest run in NBA playoff history for an NBA player? I guarantee we're going to have a list. Uh, we're going to have a list somewhere of top five playoff performers of all time in the NBA. I guarantee I, you know, I put my stamp on that one. That's going to be down there because this is uh, this playoff performances by both these uh, Nikola Jokic and Jimmy Butler have been nothing but amazing. And they should probably be on there. Jimmy Butler for sure. Cause dragging an eight seed through the playoffs, getting through uh, to the Eastern conference finals on the verge of a sweep uh, is one of the great playoff performances we've ever seen. in, in Jimmy Butler, I'm not going to say it's the best of all time, but it's certainly uh, the best that I can, I can remember in recent memory. Uh, so I'm, I'm willing to gamble that they're going to have a top five, a list or something like that, especially first take first take loves their lists uh, of best playoff performances of all time or playoff runs of all time. Uh, their best playoff performers of all time. That's going to be the list top playoff performers of all time. And Jimmy Butler might not make the list, but they're going to have a list of it for sure. We're probably going to have something regarding Eric Spolstra. I would imagine maybe a top, uh, top five list of head coaches, NBA head coaches of all time. That might, might, that might be on there. I would, I wouldn't be surprised if Eric Spolstra got a little talk, uh, for that, got a little, uh, a tip of the cap from somebody in the first take of the skip Bayless, uh, the skip and Shannon shows, see if they get something like that going. Uh, and I think that's probably good starting point. I'd be curious. I'll be curious to see if I'm correct. I hope I am correct. I'm going to go through all the segments that they have. Uh, but then at the end of the day, I mean, they're going to promote the hell, especially ESPN. They're going to promote the hell out of the NBA finals because that's their product. Obviously they're the ones that are showing it. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you know, Tom Brady comes back, which by the way, Tom Brady did sign a uh, minority, uh, become a minority owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I remember saying a long time ago that long time ago when he decided that he was retiring, quote unquote, I said, listen, he's not retiring. He's going to come back and he's going to play for the Raiders. Maybe this is the long game, huh? He might, he might be a player owner. Ever thought of that? 
well, that's not completely out of left. That's not out of the realm of possibility just yet. Okay. Jimmy Garoppolo, they can, they'll be plenty happy sitting Jimmy Garoppolo if, if Tom Brady can come back out and play with a guy like Devonte Adams and Hunter Renfro, which by the way, Hunter Renfro, uh, we remember all those, the, the, the Patriots runs where they had like one super special, uh, not even super special, but very, very solid white wide receiver. Hunter Renfro kind of fits that mold. Another one for the Tom Brady era where we have the one super special slot white wide receiver, Hunter Renfro, right there for the pickings. Listen, I don't want to say I'm right. I'm, I'm, I am calling my shot, though. He's not retired. He's coming back out. He's going to play for the Raiders. He's going to be an a NFL player owner. And this is where I'm going with this. If that happens, if he announces that he's coming back to play for the Raiders, it all bets are it, it, the first take done. It all bets are off. They're not talking about the NBA finals. They're talking about the AFC West. How does this affect uh, the Chiefs' situation? That's a fantastic, uh, a fantastic uh, division in the NFL. And if Tom Brady comes back and is like, "Hey, I'm playing for the Raiders this season because I'm a player owner. I want to be a player owner. I want to be the first ever player owner." Uh, first take. That's all they're going to talk about. That is all they're going to talk about for the entire week. We're going to forget the finals are even going on uh, in, until next Thursday when we're like, "Oh, it's game one." Uh, okay. Use my top five list of NBA playoff performers. Uh, whatever. Okay. That the, it's first take. Here we go. Now that's what's going to happen. Okay. They're going to realize, Oh snap NBA playoffs start, uh, or the NBA finals start. We can't talk about Tom Brady for eight days straight. Let's, uh, throw some top five lists together. That's just my prediction. Okay. That's what's, I, I don't think Tom Brady is going to come back, you know, this week or anything like that. But I do think if there's anything NFL remotely related, that is like serious news, um, like important news to talk about, in the NFL, big trade or something like that, it will ca- it will take over the top spot on first take and all those other shows like that because it's the NFL. I mean, they got to talk about the NFL. That's what everybody's there for. So it'll be interesting to see, but I do think if everything goes smoothly, nothing really happens in the NFL or anything like that, and the NBA finals are really eight days between uh, conference finals, the, final, the, the, the last game of the conference finals, and the first game of the NBA finals, my predictions are for uh, th- those are my predictions for the topics that we'll see on first take and skip Shannon, a uh, bunch of top fives, you know, talking about legacy, the whole the whole nine yards that that's what we're going to see on uh, on those shows. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for a break to hear from one of our sponsors. That is right. A sponsor of the program. We have our first sponsor on this program in the history of the program, and it is Jack. And Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Now, look, ladies and gentlemen, I get it. You got to navigate the real estate market. It is impossible. Everybody on House Hunters makes it look super easy. They just go into three different houses and they pick the house they want. Boom, bang, boom. Episode's over. They have a house. It's not that easy, ladies and gentlemen. And Jack and Kathleen Wood will be able to help you throughout that process. And even the people in House Hunters, they have a real estate agent. And these people, Jack Wood, Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate could be your House Hunter-esque real estate agents. So if you're looking to buy real estate, sell real estate in the Sheridan area, these are the two people you should call Jack at 307-763-1249 and Kathleen at 307-461-7203. So listeners, one of the only things I'll ask from you is to support the people that support the show. And that includes these two, Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Thank you very much for the sponsorship and make sure you contact them for all of your real estate needs at 307-763-1249 and 307-461-7203. I do want to talk about something very specific about what happened yesterday in the Nuggets sweeping 
of the Lakers to beat the Lakers last night in game four, Monday for everybody who was listening later on um, Monday, the 22nd, the sweep happened. The Nuggets swept the Lakers, uh, but something very interesting happened. And I got to tip my cap to LeBron James for what he did. And I get, you know, everybody, we're not talking about the Nuggets, but this is me analyzing LeBron keeping the spotlight on him versus, you know, giving it away to the Nuggets. And it's a masterful job. It is a masterful job. The guy is a king at the, no pun intended, because that is his nickname, a king at what he does when it comes to focusing the propaganda, the communication around him. He is unbelievably good at it. He is unbelievably subtle, but maybe this time it it maybe leaked a little bit because I caught on. I saw what he was doing and I was like, okay, you're lying here. You're 100% lying here because we all know what you plan to do. We all know it. And I'll, I'm going to get into it here in a second. So the Lakers, they get swept by the Nuggets. And, in, you know, it, it should be a celebration for the Nuggets. You know, they were the best team all season long in the Western Conference. They they were very efficient in beating the Lakers. Um, you know, they, they, uh, they overcame their demons in the playoffs against the Suns. You know, they did a lot of stuff. They look like the team that is uh, good, that is going to win the NBA Finals. They've got the rhythm. They've got the uh, the arguably the best player in the world right now uh, in Nikola Jokic. Uh, the coaching has been very good. You know, it should be high praise. They got guys stepping up off the bench, and then uh, Jamal Murray stepping up off uh, stepping up as that second superstar type as well. Everybody should be praising the Nuggets right now. But LeBron James and all of his infinite wisdom, and I really I respect the hell out of what he is able to do when he does this. So Lakers get swept. We're all kind of starting to talk about the Nuggets, okay? It's over for the Lakers. Not much to talk about at this point. We've got to wait till the offseason. But this is when LeBron takes his moment. He has a masterful, a beautifully interwoven, just a beautifully spiderweb connected post-game press conference. It wasn't perfect because I'm able to see, I'm able to see through it. And I think a lot of people are probably able to see through it as well. But Then again, we're still talking about LeBron for what he did in the post-game press conference. This is what he said, quote, he stated, quote, I got a lot to think about just personally with me moving forward with the game of basketball. I got a lot to think about. And that was to a question about him uh, considering retirement and what he's going to do in the offseason regarding basketball. Has he thought about retirement, that sort of thing? And that was his answer. He didn't say no. He didn't say yes. He just put it out there and said, I got a lot to think about just me personally with me moving forward with the game of basketball. I got a lot to think about. An unbelievable answer, a perfect answer by LeBron James. If he's not, uh, he's arguably top two of all time playing basketball, but I would say he's top one. He is the greatest of all time when it comes to creating conversation around him. There is nobody better in the history of the game of basketball than LeBron James. Maybe Maybe Kevin Durant, because Kevin Durant's kind of in that same, he's, he's getting he's getting up there. I mean, the thing is, LeBron, you're going to have the arguments for the greatest of all time. You don't really have that with uh, with Kevin Durant, obviously. Greatest scorer of all time, I'd be okay with that. But with that quote alone from LeBron James, it shifted the entire narrative of the night. The, the entire narrative of the night was or the, the Nuggets are moving on. They're going to be an exceptional team. Nikola Jokic is one of the great players we've seen in the last 10, 15 years at playing the game of basketball. Uh, he's incredibly efficient. He does everything on the court. Maybe not, you know, defense, you know, a little shaky, but who is it in the game of basketball at this point? Uh, but everything else on offense, I mean, the guy's got eyes on the back of his head. And in an instant, after the postgame press conference, in an instant, it all changed. It all changed to 
Did we just see LeBron James his last game in an NBA uniform? Is this it? Is this really it for LeBron? And we got Brian Windhorse on the scene because it's Brian Windhorse and that's basically Brian Windhorse's only job and since he's joined media. And that's probably not fair. I apologize, Brian Windhorse. But a huge part of his job was following LeBron James as he was coming up through high school. He's got a great relationship with uh, LeBron James. So they're bringing on Brian Windhorse to talk about what he was talking about, what LeBron James was talking about. Is he actually going to retire? No way he's going to retire. We all know he's not going to retire. Guys, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. He's been talking about this since, I want to say five, seven years ago, when he realized he had enough in the tank to go another 10, 11, 12 years to actually play the game of basketball effectively, which he showed last night. He was incredibly good last night against the Nuggets, even in a losing effort, dropping 40 points in a, in a game four just to try to avoid the sweep. 40 points, uh, 10 rebounds, nine assists. It's not like the guy is in an efficient night too. 15 of 25, a very good night on the floor for LeBron James. And he's out here talking about, "Ah, I got a lot to think about. I'm thinking about retiring. You didn't say I'm thinking about retiring. He just said, I got a lot to think about, which is enough. He knows exactly what the media needs, what the the major sports media needs to bite on that hook, line, and sinker so that they will take it and run with it for the rest of, I mean, the off season, the rest of the night at the very least, but into the next day, it was a genius. And we all know he's not going to retire. Okay. He has stated his plan for years out. Hey, I want to play the game of basketball until I can play with my son, Bronny James, in an NBA uniform. That's the goal. He has said that time and time and time again. That has been the conversation he has had over and over and over and over again whenever he is asked about retirement, when he thinks that he wants to hang it up. What are his goals at this point now as a basketball player? That is number one on the list. Other than winning a championship, which is every player's goal, obviously. Number one on his list is he wants to play basketball with his son in the NBA. That is his number one goal. He said it over and over and over again. He's not retiring. We know why he's here. He's not just going to give it up uh, two years before Bronny James has the chance to actually make it into the NBA and he can actually play with his son. He's not going to do that. LeBron James has never been somebody that's like, yeah, I'm going to give it up early. I'm not, I don't want to. I'm going to stop now, actually. How about that? It's not going to happen. Okay. He just knows exactly what it takes to get people to bite on and eat it and take it all the way down to the bottom of the ocean so he can reel you back in. So he, he can reel you back in. Hey, I you know, are you guys going to ask me about questions about uh, the sweep that I just had to endure? Then we just got swept. Uh, a hard sweep, but got swept nonetheless. How about this? I don't know what, I don't know about my future in basketball. I don't know what I'm going to do now. Uh, okay, uh, screw the sweep. Is he retired? Is he done? He just knows it, man. And I, I tip my cap to him. There's nobody better at this than LeBron James. There is nobody better at that than LeBron James. He knows what he has to say in order to get the correct questioning, the correct narrative out of the way, the, the wrong narrative out of the way and the correct narrative in place so that we know what we're going to be talking about for the next week or so about LeBron James possibly retiring being cryptic about his retirement when we all know that's all he's talked about whenever retirement comes up. Other than this moment right here, the the day after the, the press conference, after getting swept by the Denver Nuggets in the conference finals, every other press, con- every other conversation he's ever had about retirement has been regarded, has said, he has said, I'm not going to retire until I play with my son, Bronnie James in the NBA, not retiring before, before that, only after that, that is what he has said time and time again. But when, he is on the bad side of things at the lowest moment for his career, or his season uh, after getting swept in the conference finals against the Nuggets. 
he says, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe I might. I don't know. Let's be cryptic about it. I don't know what my future of the NBA is. It's just genius. He's so good, man. I tip my cap to him because there's nobody better. There's nobody better. He's just, he changes the entire narrative. He's not going to answer the tough questions about, about uh, the sweep. Why do you, does he think he still has it? You know, that sort of thing. Does he still have what it takes to win the NBA championship? Which granted, I believe he does, but you know, 40 points, not enough to win the NBA title, obviously to get past a sweep in the NBA. No, I'm just going to cryptically put out there. I don't know what my future is in the NBA. I don't know what it is. I respect it, man. I respect it because he is, uh, he's, uh, he's an icon at that. He's so good at just feeding the narrative that he knows that people want to talk about, but he, he, he puts uh, reality into it. You know, he injects the, the reality of it's possible into it. And then it becomes a legitimate conversation to be had by all the round t- of the round table people and all the halftime shows and all the podcasts, obviously, uh, and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I just, I tip my cap to it because I, I love, I love that he is able to just conjure it up. It's a superpower. I mean, he is literally a, a top two basketball player of all time without a doubt in my mind, but there's nobody better, nobody better on planet earth. Uh, when it comes to sports, not, maybe not everything, but at sports, there's nobody better on planet earth than at controlling a narrative than LeBron James with just knowing what to say at what time and, uh, and when to say it, essentially it's, it's, it's truly a marvel. If he wants to teach like a, a communications class or a, he should be a PR, a, a PR teacher. Like really, he should be a PR teacher for, uh, for some college at Harvard or Yale about how to get good public relations or how to just get public relations people on you at all times in positive ways or how to maintain or change a story in any way that you can for other, like he should be teaching that to other people that play sports. I mean, there's nobody better. He's, he's the best. Another thing that happened, I believe it was yesterday, Monday, uh, that probably needs to be mentioned. Carmelo Anthony, he retired uh, officially. He wasn't really playing for anybody. I think the last season, maybe two seasons, I think it was just one season. He wasn't playing really for anybody. Uh, one of the greatest scorers of all time, no doubts, obviously. Uh, a fantastic player. Didn't really evolve very well with the game around him uh, towards the end. Uh, he wasn't great at trying to, he really kind of started getting it towards the very end. I think with the Blazers, when he started coming off the bench a little bit more uh, and kind of accepting his role as somebody that, you know, towards the end, he was not going to be the best scorer on the, on the floor at all times, obviously, but he could be in a very effective bench player uh, coming off the bench and putting up, 12 15 points a game or something like that that is something that's very hard for superstars to learn especially in that game and in basketball as when you as you watch lebron james at 40 years old or 38 years old or whatever in his 20th season in the nba put up 40 points in a game four uh in near a triple double to try to save his team from sweep as you watch that and you're thinking to yourself why can't i do that it's very different, and as they, it's hard for I think a lot of those players in the NBA, uh, in superstars in the NBA, to come to an acceptance of saying they're not the same player that they were 15, 20 years ago. Uh, they cannot be that person. The only person that can be that person is LeBron James, and that's probably how it's going to be for uh, a long time. I, I, I don't think we're ever going to see anybody like LeBron James doing what he does. What he does, uh, just period. At the age of 38. In his 20th season, in the NBA we will never see that uh, again. And I think it was hard for Carmelo Anthony. And I think he'll maybe expand on this a little bit more as 
time goes on, I think it was probably pretty hard for him towards the end of his career because he came into the NBA out of Syracuse, a myth, an urban legend at Syracuse. One of the the great Syracuse, probably the greatest Syracuse player of all time, uh, won a national championship at Syracuse in 2002, and he won the uh, most outstanding player of the Final Four honors as well. And, uh, you know, that kind of began, I mean, not really, but that was a, a cliff note, the beginning of something uh, that was very special coming into the NBA and those Denver Nuggets teams were always pretty fun in the early 2000s uh, with the late the toward, towards the end of AI's career when they had him as well uh, two very unbelievable scoring players but um, as it became towards as it started ending I think towards the end of the Knicks tenure and then after the Knicks tenure as well uh, that's when it became apparent for everybody else, but not necessarily Carmelo Anthony, because I think he thought he could just work through um, the f- age, essentially the fact that he was getting older. Uh, and I think that has, there's something to be said about the weird um, naivety for professional athletes in general to not be able to see when the end is approaching, because it is in terms of careers. I mean, a shorter career for really anybody else on that's doing anything else. I mean, not, you know, sports are a shorter career for the the players that are playing it, whether it be, uh, you know, superstars or not superstars. There's nobody that is, uh, there's not really a career that is shorter than something like that, uh, than playing in professional sports. And when you're the best at it for so long, one of the best scorers of all time, like Carmelo Anthony, to see it start to kind of collapse around you where you begin to kind of lose uh, the ability to be what you were 10, 15 years ago. That can probably take a, a very hard, uh, that can really affect you negatively, I think, in the long run. You, your body is betraying you, and you don't really understand why, because you go through all the, the processes of getting yourself ready, you know, the, the workouts and stuff like that. But regardless, your body is still not able to keep up with all the new people or the people around you that are still uh, able to play at a high level. And I think that became kind of difficult for Carmilla to accept towards the end which is why I think maybe his career, I, I don't think it was cut short. He still had a very long career by, by all means, but uh, towards the end, he was not seen as somebody that you could have put into a starting lineup anymore at small forward or whatever. And being an effective starting player, uh, he could have been somebody that scored 12, 15 off the bench and he would have been very effective that way. I think that would have been the best approach for him towards the last, uh, not half, but maybe a quarter of his career. Um, but I just think it was hard for him to accept the fact that it was starting to kind of fail uh, the body was starting to fail around him and people were starting to surpass him in ability at that point after being one of the most high, highly touted recruits, one of the best college basketball players we'd ever seen, and then one of the best uh, scoring players of all time uh, in the first 10, 15 years of his career. So uh, he retires, he calls it quits, um, but there was a conversation going around uh, that was also on this. I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I'm bashing Carmelo Anthony the whole entire time. Like I said, one of the greatest scorers of all time. Uh, he was he's going to be a Hall of Famer, uh, I think, partially because they also talk about uh, college basketball and the basketball Hall of Fame. So they include that, I believe, as well. So it's not just NBA Hall of Fame. It's like college. It's a basketball Hall of Fame. So they talk about your college ability as well. So they have that to add on to the NBA, uh, the NBA honors as well. So he's going to be a Hall of Famer. It's not like he was a bad player or anything like that. Uh, but there was a conversation going around whether for the Denver Nuggets, whether his 15 uh, number 15 or Jokic's number 15 will be retired by the Nuggets by the end of the tenure uh, of both uh, Melo, obviously, and then Jokic once it's all done. And um, I'm surprised that's a conversation that's being had, to be honest with you. Uh, Nikola Jokic, in my opinion, is already probably the best player in the history of that franchise. I don't think that's, 
I don't think that's something entirely out of left field. You'll hear, I think the the best arguments to be made against that, obviously, Dan Eisel, uh, it was a fantastic player for uh, Denver. Uh, he didn't play, you know, he played with Denver in the ABA uh, and the NBA, primarily in the NBA, uh, but it was back in the, uh, in the in the 70s into the 80s, and he was a, he's a Hall of Famer, seven-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA player as well. Um, he was an All-Star Game MVP, whatever that counts for, Rookie of the Year as well. Alex English is a popular name you'll hear as well, Hall of Famer, eight-time All-Star. I think he's the Nuggets' leading scorer of all time as well. He played in the 80s. He was very good for a, a solid amount of time with the, uh, with the Denver Nuggets. And then David Thompson's another name, five-time All-Star, Hall of Famer, two-time All-NBA, uh, also a solid player. But... Jokic is young. He's still 28. So, and the, the, the accolades he already has five-time all-star, five-time all-NBA player, a two-time MVP in just, uh, in, in just the, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, seven years, seven, eight years he's been playing. It's a five-time all-star, five-time all-NBA, two-time MVP. So I think there's an argument to be made, especially now the fact that he's carried them to an NBA finals as well, had, has had fantastic playoff performance after fantastic playoff performance. Uh, this year, I think there's a very, um, I don't think it's out of the question to say that he's already probably the best player in the history of that franchise. I don't think that's crazy to talk about. Um, I think it's early to say he's a hall of famer or anything like that, but if he continues on the trend that he's on right now, just for another five more years, uh, from 28 to 33, then yeah, he's a hall of famer, undoubtedly the best player in the history of that franchise, uh, after the, if he, if he continues on the run that he's on right now. So, um, yeah, the, the 15, which 15 is put up under the rafters or into the rafters. That's a an antiquated discussion, I think. I You know, they can just put two 15s up there, one with the name Jokic, one with the name Anthony. But if they had to pick, I mean, it's got to be Jokic, guys. It's got to be Jokic. You can put Melo, I think, maybe in the garden, maybe in the garden because he is kind of uh, maybe, maybe in the garden, I guess. Uh, he's not. That's the thing about Anthony. He didn't do enough in one particular spot to garner a retiring of a jersey in the rafters of really anywhere. I would say the garden personally, because he, I think brought a lot of, you know, it wasn't a championship or anything like that, but he brought a lot of good memories to that, to that team, to the Knicks. Um, it during, you know, in between the time of Ewing, but and before he got there, which was kind of garbage. And then after we look back at that time, or Knicks fans look back at that time, Pretty fondly, and he's a New York basketball legend. Just in general, grew up in Syracuse, grew up in New York, uh, and went to college at Syracuse, and then ended up playing for the Knicks as well. So, if he's going to get his his jersey retired anywhere, it's probably going to be the Knicks. I would say, even though I don't think that would be uh, something. Just looking at the on the court accolades during that time, I don't know if that'd be something that would also be uh, worthy. I, I think uh, in in that in the, that very simple sense uh, of of getting that. Jersey retirement in in the garden, um, but does I mean he's a Hall of Famer. It's just the fact that he hasn't he he wasn't able to really do it consistently and bring home enough of the awards or anything like that in particular areas. I guess if if that makes sense. So I don't know. I, Anthony, he's a Hall of Famer. I just don't know if he's going to get his jersey retired anywhere or anything like that. So it'll it'll be interesting to see. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to do. With Carmelo in, in terms of, I mean, if he goes into, if he goes into the Hall of Fame, I think when he goes into the Hall of Fame, and I don't know if they do it the same way that they do it as 
that they do it the same way that they do the NFL does it or like the DMLB does it where they have, you know, caps that they give, uh, you know, that sort of thing. You go in as a, you know, as a giant, quote unquote, like a New York giant, quote unquote, or a Green Bay Packer, you know, that sort of thing. I don't know if they do that the same way in the NBA, but if they do, I'd be curious to see which one pick if, if Melo picks the Knicks or if Melo picks the Nuggets as the team he goes into the Hall of Fame as into the Basketball Hall of Fame as does it go in as a Nugget or does it go in as a Nick? I think there's a very legitimate argument to be made that he goes in as a Nick because of all the history that he has as a New York Nick uh, and uh, just not necessarily New York Nick, but somebody from New York, you know, played at Syracuse and stuff like that. So uh, it'll be curious to see. Good for Melo. Congrats to him on a, in my opinion, bona fide Hall of Fame career with Carmelo Anthony. Uh, all right, let's, we're going to wrap it up really quickly on something else I want to talk about. Uh, just really quickly, the Miami Heat. Uh, I, how, how does this happen? I don't understand how this happened. This team looked done halfway through the season. I thought they were going to start trading off guys to start a, start a rebuild. It is Pat Riley. Pat Riley does not like doing rebuilds. That is not something he is uh, very fond of. And again, I don't want to make this sound bad, but he is getting towards the latter half of his career. Uh, in his life, you know, not getting, I'm not saying anything bad, but he's getting towards the latter half of his life. So he probably wants to try to put a good team out there towards the end that he can really root for as he begins to age out, if you will. Uh, and I thought this was not the team. I was like, okay, well, this isn't it. Halfway through the season, I was like, they're going to start trading people like Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, maybe not Jimmy Butler, but Bam Adebayo has got to go. Uh, uh, Duncan Robinson. That's a horrible contract. They're not going to be able to get rid of him, but I thought he was, they're going to try to find a, a suitor for him. Tyler hero may have been on the way out to see if they could have paired somebody else with Jimmy Butler as well. Uh, and that didn't happen. They stuck to their guns and look where they are. They got the eight seed. They got destroyed by the Atlanta Hawks, just annihilated, just picked apart by the Atlanta Hawks in the play-in tournament and the first play-in game. And I was like, okay, this is over. Like, you know, I didn't think they had to play the next game. Cause I was like the heater done. This is it for this franchise, not not for the franchise, but this is it for this team. I think they're they were going to have they were going to go down and see a, a massive change in the offseason with you know guys like Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Uh, and I thought we were going to see a huge change in the roster and stuff like that. And then they go in, they beat the Bulls, so they get in, and then out of nowhere, they haven't just they dominate the Bucks, haven't trailed in a series. The the toughest competition they've had so far in these playoffs outside of the Atlanta Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks. Gave the toughest competition to the Heat so far. Boston Celtics have been pretty much a joke uh, in this conference finals. I, I've been more, much more disappointed in the Boston Celtics than I have been, than I have been the Los Angeles Lakers uh, because the Celtics were supposed to be, you know, this should have been a quote unquote walk in the park for them because once the Bucks got knocked out by the Heat, this should have been a team that they were able to dominate. They beat the Heat last year. Uh, basically, uh, the Heat were basically a shot away from going to the NBA Finals, but the, the, the Celtics were able to beat the Heat last year, and here we are all over again. And I think something that we're not taking, we're not giving enough credit to, was at the beginning of the season, Ime Adoka gets let go by the Celtics, suspended. Uh, I think for I think the official term terminology was suspended for like the full season. I think, uh, but they I think ended up parting ways with him regardless. And now he's a head coach at the for the Houston Rockets, but they. Uh, suspend him for essentially having a relationship with a co-worker in the, with the Boston Celtics, even though he's married. Uh, that was a uh, a very weird situation, kind of an icky situation uh, that he got himself in, so he gets let go. That was the head coach for the Celtics that led them to the NBA Finals. It looked like he was the guy that really gave them the personnel and the ability to take that next step to get to the NBA Finals and possibly win it. 
Uh, but then it all goes awry. He gets suspended and then eventually let go. And now here we are, uh, whatever, eight months, nine months later after that story kind of broke, uh, basically 12 months after they arrived in the NBA Finals, and we have Joe Mazzul out there, the head coach for the Celtics right now, and he is down 3-0. He's talking about winning quarters against the Heat, which is not something the Boston Celtics want to talk about or hear about when you're down 3-0, or any fan uh, of any fan base wants to hear about when uh, you're down 3-0. They're down 3-0 now, and it feels like at this point, Missoula, if he wins, if they go on to win the series somehow, go and come back from 3-0 down, which it is Boston. The Red Sox did it in 2004. Who knows? The Red Sox, they did it back in 2004. Who knows? Who says it can't happen again? But then again, I mean, this team looks, uh, the Celtics look defeated. I mean, they look beat, just straight up beat. Um, so now, and I think, you know, Missoula at this point, he's already done. I, I don't, I do not see a scenario in which Missoula comes back, which is crazy because I, that sport is so lethal when it comes to this sort of thing. If you have a disappointing series and, and as disappointing as this series has been for the Celtics, a team that should be able to when I mean, in terms of talent, what they have on the roster, uh, construction of the roster should be able to beat this Miami Heat team for whatever reason. Miami Heat uh, are able to just get whatever they want, do whatever they want. Uh, Jimmy Butler is living a beautiful free lifestyle. He didn't play very good in game three, but for whatever Gabe Vincent, who is Gabe Vincent coming out of nowhere, dropping 29 points in game three, a career high, not a playoff career high, a career high. Gabe Vincent just comes out, drops 29. Hey, no big deal. We'll win by 25 points or whatever, 30 points uh, against you guys in game three at home. And we're just going to shock you to the brim. And guess what? You're not going to make it back to the NBA finals. And it's all strictly because uh, not not all because, but I think a, a big majority of the problem was because, hey, we let go of our coach because he's having an in uh, an in-house relationship with another staffer or somebody on in the uh, in the Celtics organization while he's married. And oh look, the wheels are falling off because uh, we don't have that coach anymore, or so on and so forth. And here it is; it's going to get really ugly. It's Boston sports, and it's Boston sports radio. They're going to pick you apart. That's how Boston sports is. Uh, they're trading Jalen Brown. They're trading Al Horford. They're trading Alan, uh, Marcus Smart. Uh, they're calling Jason Tatum a coward. You know the whole. The whole nine yards, and this is how it comes. Not necessarily, maybe not to an end, but this is how drastic changes are going to be made with the Boston Celtics. So, I, I just—it's crazy how one series can really just drastically change your outlook on the entire franchise. We were talking about Jason Tatum, Game Seven, fifty-one points in a Game Seven. Uh, whatever, four days—not four days ago, excuse me, like a week and a half ago against the 76ers when he dropped 51 points, the greatest game seven performance we've ever seen, and he was being crowned in Boston as the best player, you know, are the most the favorite player among Boston fans. And now here we are, you know, a week and a half later, and it's like, is, is Jason Tatum got it? Does he have the it factor to lead this team to an NBA championship? Can he be a number one? It's crazy, and really only in that sport can it change like that on a dime that quickly where you'll have a guy drop 51 in a game seven. He becomes the hero of Boston to a week later, week and a half later, he has become uh, kind of a laughing stock. I think I read somewhere that uh, Nikola Jovic, not Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jovic, a bench player for the Miami heat that came in basically when the game was completely over uh, in the fourth quarter in game three has more fourth quarter field goals than Jason Tatum. More. Fourth quarter field goals, Nikola Jovic, not Jokic, Jovic has more fourth quarter field goals than Jason Tatum in this series against the Heat. That kind of encapsulates the entire situation for the Boston Celtics, and I don't think much more needs to be said about that. I do think we need to talk a little bit more about Eric Spolstra. Um, 
he, I'm always blown away about how effective Eric Spolster is at getting the most, uh, the head coach for the Miami Heat, if you don't know, uh, getting the absolute most out of players that uh, essentially you've never heard of. Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin. I mean, uh, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero at times. Uh, he's not playing, but Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, obviously. Uh, the, the highest, here's another stat for you, the highest drafted player on that team in the NBA draft, the highest drafted player is Cody Zeller. Not Jimmy Butler, not Bam Adebayo, not Tyler Hero, none of those guys. It is, it is the guy, 29 points, Caleb Martin, the guy that dropped 29 points a career high. It's not him, it's Caleb Martin. A bunch of undrafted guys are are pulling together a team. Jimmy Butler, obviously the leader of that club, the, of that team, uh, is pulling them together. And Bam out of Bam out of Bio is playing better than he ever has in the playoffs. And Eric Spolstra, I think, is a, a a big reason for that. I think he's one of the great. He gets overlooked. I think a lot of the time when we talk about one of the great coaches of all time because he is uh, he's younger. With when it comes to greatest coaches of all time, you really got to think like if you look. At the pictures of a lot of them, they're older, they're grizzled, they, they you know the grizzled, grizzled veteran coach, that sort of thing. But Eric Spolster needs to be on that list. I think he's one of the great coaches of all time because of what he's been able to do. One, essentially getting handed the the the, the big three era in, in the palm of his hands. He was a head coach for uh, two seasons prior to getting LeBron James, Dwayne or Dwayne Wade, and uh, and Chris Bosh all on the same team. And the fact that he was able to navigate that correctly and the LeBron, you know, or the, the he didn't have to bring somebody else in as a head coach, a more veteran head coach, if you will, to kind of navigate that entire situation is a, a testament to how effective he was during that time. That is something that is, I think, very over um, kind of something that is not analyzed enough, not overanalyzed, underanalyzed uh, as a head coach to be able to balance the amount of all stars and uh, and stars that he had on that team with Chris Bosh. Uh, again, Chris Bosh, uh, the beginning of the big three era, essentially Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, to be able to put people around those guys and to make them effective enough to go on and become NBA championships, uh, champions, four-time Eastern Conference championships, uh, champions as well. Uh, I think gets overlooked a little bit by somebody like Eric Spolster because he's a young guy. I mean, he's not the oldest dude. He's not somebody that you look at as a grizzled vet. He's only 52 years old, and he's not very old at all when it comes to uh, comes to head coaching. I think back then when he was 2000, in 2010, he would have been, whatever, 40 years old or something like that. So it's not like he's an old head coach. And the fact that, and you look at that compared to what's going on with Joe Missoula in Boston and see where Eric Spolster was at a similar time in his life uh, with the same amount, not not the same amount of talent, but a similar team in that sense with a lot of expectations uh, for Boston fans. It is NBA championship or bust for them at, at this point with the team that they have around them. Uh, and to see Joe Missoula struggled in that struggle in that situation uh, and talk about winning quarters and, and that sort of thing and kind of, um, you know, deflect a lot of those situations and a lot of those conversations that are being had uh, versus what Eric Spolster had to go through after losing uh, the first time he had the big three losing in the NBA finals against the Dallas Mavericks, which it really could have all fallen apart after that, the, to be able to bring the guys back in LeBron James and those in the rest of the, that big three and bring them back and then go back to back in NBA champions is truly a testament to how effective I think uh, Eric Spolster was. And then to lead a team like this, the eight seed, uh, a team that was, I think a lot of people were like, this is it. It's over. Uh, it's all done uh, because of how ineffective they were. They were the worst shooting team in the entire league before the playoffs started. The worst shooting team in the entire league before the playoffs started. And then here we are in, in a month into the playoffs or whatever. And he's on the verge of pulling off one of the most improbable playoff runs 
partially responsible for pulling off one of the most improbable uh, playoff runs of all time in NBA history, I think. And um, a team that really has, I mean, you know, it's not a great matchup for them in the Nuggets uh, if they do pull off that sweep. Um, it's not a great matchup because Nikola Jokic could really eat up a lot of what uh, the, the the Heat do in terms of they play a lot of small ball bams. They're five, they're, they're five, they're center a lot of the time. And that might be a tough matchup for Bam with Nikola Jokic being the the primary guy that is the, uh, the the guy the offense runs through that could be a tough matchup for Bam but still I mean even getting to this point is just it's it's all it's all house money at this point and uh, there needs to be I think a stronger conversation around uh, and I think he was named one of the top 15 coaches of all time by that NBA 75 thing that they did uh, and the 75th anniversary for the NBA but I think at this point it's higher I think he's he's one of the best coaches of all time uh, with the amount of stuff that he's been able to pull through and uh, the ability to navigate as his career has gone on. So uh, something to be said about Eric Spolster. Great coach, great head coach, one of, one of the greats of all time. And that's what I'll say. Uh, that, I think, ladies and gentlemen, is going to wrap up the show. I want to thank you very much for tuning in. Remember to uh, leave a rating uh, on all your podcasting platforms. Big shout out to uh, to Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate for sponsoring the program. Thank you so much to them. Check them out for all your real estate needs. Um, so big thank you to them. And uh, remember to leave a rating on all those podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. The name goes on. The, the list goes on and on. You can listen to it anywhere. So we really appreciate that. This is uh, the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast. I want to thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, and that's going to wrap up the show. Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast. I've been your host, James Timberlake. <laughs>